Hey everybody, before we start this episode, I just want to give a huge shout out to my friend Muhammad for doing this with us. I think that this episode, more than any we've done so far, is a great way for you not only to change your perspective on certain things, but also to improve your ability to learn new things, to enhance your ability to perform tasks more efficiently, whether it's in your personal or professional life, based on some of the things Muhammad shares with us. Um, and our podcast is typically designed for people who are English as a second language learners looking to take their skills to an advanced level. This episode, more than any we've done so far, is really for anyone who wants to improve their ability to learn new things, to focus on certain tasks, like I said. So I really hope you enjoy. I hope you take something away from it. And thank you again so much, Muhammad. Hey, talkers. Welcome to Keep Talking Podcast. Keep Talking is the best platform for you to reach an advanced level of English by practicing every day and also connect with a global community. This podcast is a mix of our Instagram lives and IGTV videos along with other recorded content. Sometimes we just give tips on how to improve your English and other times we talk about a wide variety of topics, sometimes with special guests. Most of the episodes are in English, some are a mix of English and Spanish, and in a few we only speak Spanish. I hope you enjoy, and remember to follow us on Instagram at keeptalkingco, or check out our website, keeptalking.co, to join our community and learn more about how we can help you. All right, we are recording. What's up, talkers? How are we doing today? I am here with a really good friend of mine. His name is Muhammad. Muhammad, why don't you say hello to everybody? Hello, everyone. <laughs> um... There you go. Yeah, um, well... So Muhammad is a friend of mine. I've known him for about um, nine years, really. Um, we've started hanging out quite a bit recently. Um, but Muhammad worked at the company that I began working for uh, when I started working as an interpreter back in 2012. Um, and Muhammad, uh, he was always extremely good at his job. And the thing that was probably the most amazing about it is that uh, Muhammad is visually impaired. He's blind. Um, and he's just always, he's an extremely, not only is he an extremely talented and skilled guy, he's just also an extremely kind person, um, someone who I've always thought I had a really good relationship with. And I'm super excited to have you here today, man. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for this <laughs> kind words, Mr. Sean. This is actually the first time I've done, uh, you know, like a podcast episode where we're, we're here in the same room live. Like I've done a lot of interviews with people over Zoom, you know, pandemic stuff, right? Like right. over Zoom or over an Instagram live. So, right. man, I, I appreciate you being here. Um, so yeah, why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? Um, tell tell them your story a little bit. Yeah, so um, I originally come from North, uh, you could say Northeast Africa, um, from Sudan. And um, I was born and raised there. Um, I moved to the U.S. when I was 18, and that was about... 17, 18 years ago. Mm -hmm. So now they know how old you, you are. You can do the math <laughs> to figure out how old I am, you know, my age. And so um, I moved here right after high school, and um, uh, my goal was to go to college um, due to my uh, visual impairment or blindness. Uh, you can say I'm blind actually because you know it, it's a big spectrum, but I'm pretty much blind. Um, 
And um, my, I had an uncle in the U.S. that thought it would be better for me to get an education here. It, it was just a lot more options for me to go to school and uh, things like that. So I, I finished high school and then I moved here and I went to college. I came here as an international student and um, I studied uh, business administration and uh, and uh, yeah and then I graduated mostly in Minnesota a lot of people ask me why you moved to Minnesota <laughs> it's so cold here mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's a nice it's a beautiful state but winter seems to be a very long season here yeah but it's like for me I didn't have an option my uncle was here so mm -hmm. that was the thing you know mm -hmm. so I had to move here and I liked it it's my second home and it's mm -hmm. also like my first home now because I've been here for so long mm -hmm. um, and um, I, uh, I, and then I, I worked in Chicago for a couple of years. I moved to Chicago right after I graduated uh, because that was a time when um, that financial crisis was happening. Oh, in about 2008. 2008 and yeah. 9. Mm -hmm. So I, I couldn't find a job right away and I ended up going to Chicago. I found a, a nice like a non-NGO non, um, type of job, but it was mostly kind of like, really not a very like, uh, it was more for fun. It was more like, a, you know, it, it was good, like good, good work. You know, we used to volunteer, help mm -hmm. like uh, homeless and stuff like that. And, and um, so we weren't like getting paid a lot of money, but we were just getting like a room and board and mm -hmm. then we were also getting like food for right. free and stipend monthly just to mm -hmm. have fun in the city. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's yeah. the crazy thing. Like helping people never pays that much money. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. What, what was the name of the NGO or what was the name of that organization? Uh, it's called Voices for Creative Nonviolence. And okay. yeah, I mean, they were very, uh, I think it's closed down now. Um, but it's, uh, they used to do a lot of work around like, the world actually they used to travel to a lot of the poor countries uh, war huh. uh, you know war countries like where there's a lot of violence and and they used to like try to like take medicine try to take some mostly and, and also mostly educating the american public about mm -hmm. some of the wars you mm -hmm. know and um so so they come back with pictures and encounters like mm -hmm. with people, families that they live in these poor countries like Afghanistan or Iraq right. or whatever, you know. So they used to travel all over. Actually, even in South America, they used to travel or Latin Central America, like Nicaragua. You know, mm, they went. Yeah. To, it was one of these countries they went to at some point, and uh, so they were involved all over, all over, you know. Uh huh. The, during the Bosnia War, also yeah. in the 90s, they were there. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a fun job, but it wasn't something that you want to do forever. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's a temporary. And then after that, I found a job here in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. And um, that was my goal, not to really come back up here anymore. Because <laughs> I kind of wanted to move south, uh -huh, uh -huh. avoid the winter. <laughs> yep. But that never happened. You know? Well, so, I mean, it's... Uh, they ended up coming back up here, but I like it. I love Minnesota. 
Well, this is what always happens up here, man. I mean, there's a lot of people, including me, who say, yeah, I just don't want to live in Minnesota for very much longer. The winters suck, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But then we end up staying here for some yeah. reason, or we yeah. end up coming back or yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. So for, for all of our listeners from Colombia and, and, you know, other South American countries, be careful if you come to Minnesota because you probably won't think you like it, but then you end up staying, maybe. Yeah. Definitely. So definitely, it's, be, a, it's be, definitely that's the case for me. Like yeah. I just I have a hard time living somewhere else. I mean, mm-hmm. I tried, you know, and I ended mm-hmm. up coming back. What, so why do you why do you think you came back though? Why do you think? Well, partly, honestly, um, if okay, so because when I was here, I mean, I went to college here, mm-hmm. um, and I went when I was going to college during summertime. Um, I used to. Um, Attend. I went to this blind school because, um, well, maybe I should go back a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, um, the blind school, uh, I mean, I'll just touch on it here, but the blind school, basically, it was a program where to teach you to be independent. You know, it's like an mm-hmm. independent living skill yep. uh, program or living skills that you need to acquire in order for you as a blind person or me as a blind person to be able to live independently by myself in an apartment or house and take mm-hmm. care of myself, cook for myself, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, learn all these basic skills in a safer way or, you know, in a very like calculated way. And, and it's fun. I mean, I learned a lot of things like how to use a cane, how to read Braille, how to right. um, also like cook and clean and, and, you know, like a lot of things that people don't really think about you know but it's it's quite a bit of a task for a blind person sometimes you know mm-hmm. but you learn these skills and you you master them you know and mm-hmm. then you you're able and that's what happened so i i did that over two summers um it's usually it's a nine month to a year program but you know so i, I they were allowed me to finish in like six or seven months i was able to finish okay. and it was pretty good i learned a lot of things and and I know the city because of the mobility classes I took, uh-huh. you know. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to move up here because I know how to move to get around in Minneapolis. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I know my, I know the streets. I know, you know, before the GPS time, back yeah. 10, 10, 12 years ago, yep. um, all my friends who were driving cars and they used to come and visit me from other like states or other right. towns or. They used to call me and I give them directions. Which, yeah, yeah, which yeah. street are you on? Uh-huh, take yeah. a right, take a left, go straight. You know, three more blocks, take a right. Uh-huh. You know, they, they, and now I feel like I'm obsolete with the GPS. <laughs> now they don't use it anymore. You know? you know what? Me and you, neither of us like to use the GPSs that much because... Now, you heard me, I was using it in the car today, right? But I usually, I try not to very much, you know, like I try to, yeah. to memorize the streets because I think it's more fun that way to try to be able to do something without having the GPS tell you exactly where you're going, right. you know? Right. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more fun that way. No, definitely. But definitely. And it's, it's good. It's, it's a, a good brain exercise. Yes. You know, yeah. it's good to challenge yourself. Like, because yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, it's good to be able to like, figure out things and then if there is construction and whatever sometimes the gps is not up to date every day now and it's like a street closed and then it's you're true. like yeah. screwed you know you have to yes. go around and you have to follow <laughs> the gps yeah and it's like and but if you know the the grid if you know you 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 you'll have easier options and just other ways it's not necessarily 
faster sometimes, but it's, it works. Yeah. You know, without a GPS, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Humans did it for, you know, thousands and thousands of years before us. So, yeah. Right, it's, right. It makes me wonder how, like, how did people get around, even, even in, like, the 1980s, for example. You know, this was probably before... Map quest, map quest, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm like, right. man, how did people get from one spot to another in like a big city, yeah. making sure they got to the right spot without, you know what I mean? You have yeah. to memorize everything. You have yeah, to actually have to. call and get street directions, write them down, and memorize it. Right. And right. then if a road is blocked, what do you do? I don't know. You call back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure they were also like using signs and stuff, but it's like. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely a good brain exercise. People yeah. are actually using, you know, their right. brain to think and like, right. And I mean, they functioned. I mean, they did it for decades. Yeah, man. You know, yeah, centuries. Well, yeah. I mean, as human beings, I think we're becoming stupider in a lot of ways as technology advances because we have all these things that can think for us and can do things for us. You know, uh, even, um, I mean, we, yeah, we, we rely on. We rely on too many things. Yeah, Stupider is a bad word, but, you yeah. know, it's uh, yeah. we, rely, we rely. We're not using enough of our own intelligences yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely we're not smarter. That's no, de- <laughs> definitely we're not smarter. Technology is always, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. man. Yeah. That's, that's true. Well, yeah. go ahead. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was challenging because coming, going back here a little bit to the U.S., um, I, you know, I didn't really speak English. Mm-hmm. So in Sudan, we speak um, Arabic. It's the official language there. Like, it's like the formal right. education, mm-hmm. you know, language. Um, so all our education was in Arabic. And mm-hmm. then, even though we were a British colony, actually, but we had this um, very Islamic government that controlled yeah. the country for 30 years and was they, i'm sorry to, to interrupt i'm sorry was was omar bashir was he uh, when did he come along yeah he was he was, he was the president since 1989 wow so 2019 he was, he was the guy years. yeah he was the president like so that was the year pretty i was much, born yeah so pretty like, much yeah. since you were born and pretty much yeah. that's the person i like He's been my president since I was like four okay, years old or yeah. something, you know? So this guy was like the guy. Can you guys imagine like if Trump was the president for your whole life? You know what I mean? People yeah. would not be happy about that. Anyway. Yeah, but Bolsonaro or maybe Biden for some people. I don't know. Ivan Duque. No, I didn't. We'll stop talking about politics. Anyway. No, but yeah, I mean, imagine all these. But, um, yeah, he was a president for 30 years, and uh, they, they really messed up the country in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they just wiped it clean, you know. But, but that's the thing. One of the things we lost also was the English language. We didn't really learn English. And mm. we used to, like, the older generation, they really speak pretty well good English because we were a recent colony. I mean, the British were there until 1956. That's when we got our independence. And, and, you know, yeah. but my generation, people who were born in the 80s and after that, pretty much last, you know, they, like they, we didn't have the privilege or like a thing to, like, to learn English, you know, we yeah. didn't get the chance to learn English. Hmm. And, you know, so I came here with zero English. Right. Yeah. And I had to attend um, an, an English school for a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was hard, you know, like trying to learn and at the time, I was also struggling trying to learn Braille in English because mm-hmm. I knew Braille in Arabic at the time, but I didn't know Braille in English. So I was mostly learning English um, orally the first year, 
-hmm. because like I didn't know how to read in Braille in English that much, and mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't have a way of attending a Braille school right away. Mm -hmm. So I was learning English mostly orally, and I uh, uh, and then and then by listening and working with people and classmates and all that, and it was fun. It was challenging, and then after that, I started learning Braille. And mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, I also started going to college, and then they bombarded me with like, all the technology and stuff because mm -hmm. they had right. like a specific software that I use yeah. for school that like for your computer that actually it's like a screen reader which mm -hmm. reads everything to you while you're typing while you're trying to search Google while you're trying to create you know check your email that kind of thing I had to learn all that stuff. And then I came from a country at that time, when I came, I I never even like had the chance to like turn mm. a computer on or off. Yeah. So know? so it was so all it was like a whole new experience. Yeah. See, I didn't you realize know? that. I didn't realize how much how new everything was to you. I didn't realize that you basically had no English when you got to the U.S. and really no technological skills for no. the most part, right? Yeah, completely nothing. Yeah. Not yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead. No, you have a question. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I was going to, mine's kind of a big question because I was going to ask about Braille in general, but do you have a, what were you going to say? Yeah, so, I mean, totally, that's just the the whole, you know, challenge, like, for me, it's just, it, it was all these things that I had to learn at once, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And yeah. then and then also put on top of that materials, college material, like when I started yeah. actually studying. Mm-hmm. You know, I, which is a year later after I learned English, and it wasn't like mm -hmm. I felt like it wasn't sufficient. It was just a challenge, and I struggled the first few years. You know, uh, but the, the the right away I got in the Braille, and it was a lot easier to learn Braille in English. I think it's it's easier once you know Braille, like if you have the basic, sure, mm -hmm. the basics. It's in, in any language. It's easier to learn because you have the basics in terms of like your feeling skills. You know, your ability to feel the braille letters are there and that's a very important thing that's once you have that you just need to memorize the symbols or how they look and what letter that is or what you know um so but it's a challenge of course you know, right it's a whole mm -hmm. you know it's like uh so so that took a while and then you know i got got rolling Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's impressive too because when I think about all the things you must have been doing at the same time, you got here. You know, you're starting college, you're learning English, you're learning Braille in English, you're taking your college courses, um, you're learning how to navigate a new country. You know, for like for most of us, for most people, you know, that are native born from the U.S., like we go to college and we're we struggle with college and like we don't have to deal with all of these other new things that we're learning. Like we're just in our free time sitting there you know, playing Madden or Call of Duty, and we still right. can't pass our courses in college, you know what I mean? Whereas you're learning all of these new things at the same time, and we're still able to do well with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess what I didn't realize about Braille is that um, it's, so I didn't know that there were different, I should have assumed this, but that, that it's different in like English and Arabic, for example. Um, there are different versions of Braille depending on the language. But can you give me an example, and I, I should know more about this since I am, you know, quote unquote, a language expert, but I don't know hardly anything about Braille. So like, right. um, 
Can you explain a little bit to me the difference between Braille, like in English, and Braille in Arabic? So it's just different, you know, symbols? Go ahead. It's, um, well, actually, interestingly enough, um, okay, so Braille has this interesting element to it because, you know, in Arabic, we actually read from right to left, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in English, you read from left to right. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Yep. So, so Braille is actually, yeah. So Braille is actually, you write and read the same way in English and Arabic. So like Braille in uh, English starts from the left to right and from Arabic starts right to left? Left to right. The okay. same, the same, like, so it feels like it's closer. Like they're both left to right. Hmm. You can read both left to right and write okay. both right to left. Huh. You but, know? But the problem is it's like the symbol. So like, I mean, the A in, you know, like the A in Arabic looks like the mm -hmm. Alif in, in the A yep. in, 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 the A in English looks like the A in Arabic. Yeah. Like the A in Spanish, you know, whatever the A in Spanish. Yeah. So, and, but it, like, and so in Arabic, okay, so in Arabic, the, the Braille, like, I'm sorry, the letter for A looks like the Alif. It has that right. symbol. Like there are some similar similarities in the letter. Oh. Like the B is like the Ba, the ba yeah. you know, like the T is like the Ta. Yeah. But but there are some letters in Arabic that don't exist in English, and there are some letters right. in English that don't exist in Arabic. And then Braille is also... So there are two different levels of Braille. This is called grade one Braille, mm -hmm. where you have all the letters spelled out. So all you need to know is just what the letters look like and what they mean and how to... So once you learn the language, it's not as hard to learn the Braille. No? Mm. In, in dictionaries, in, in Bible, in Quran, in all these yeah. things, because... Because Braille in general takes a huge space, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, uh, if, if you have like a 400 book, you know, you're reading for Gabriel you know, <laughs> Marquis or, you know, yeah. Gabriel Marquis, Garcia Marquis so or whatever. J.K. Like, Rowling, who knows? Right? Yeah. yeah, like if you have a book for 400 pages, mm -hmm. that in Braille will be like a volume. Like it will be like uh. a boxes of <laughs> you know, like that would be like at least maybe 2,000 pages or 3,000 pages because Braille takes a lot of space. Okay. You know? I'm just, just picturing this. Yeah, yeah, you know? So, 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 oh, so they have something called grade 2 Braille because you need abbreviation. Okay. You know? So like, for example, I-N-G yeah. in English mm -hmm. is a common thing, right? The, the, the three letters when you say going or happening or sitting, mm -hmm. you have ing. So ing, it's, it becomes one symbol. Okay. You see? Yeah. Or like t-i-o-n. Yep. You know, uh, that yeah. becomes one symbol. All of the common word endings exactly. become one symbol. You know? Mm -hmm. So, so, so it's you, a language within a language. Exactly. Like okay. the ER, whatever. All of these, they have like symbols. So you have to memorize all these symbols and what they look like in Braille. Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes tricky between Arabic and English because it's like English, they have their own letters, combinations. Arabic has the, its own combinations. And it makes grade two different in both. Or in, right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, it shortens the length of the books. You know, they try to make right. it close. It's still bigger than the normal book, but it, rather than 2,000 2, pages for a 400 book, 400 pages, it would be like a, maybe a seven 800 pages, you know, okay. something like that. Yeah. And all manageable. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Mm. So, it's, so it's definitely a learning, uh, you know, process. Like, you need to learn all these things. Yeah. And it takes time, you know. It's time consuming. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and that's what's fascinating to me about it, too. Now, let's talk about English for a second, actually, here, because, you know, obviously we have a lot of English, a lot of listeners who are on the the journey, let's call it, you know, learning English as a second language. Um, right. And, you know, for you, someone who started basically from zero when you were 18 years old, um, what was it like, um, you know, we can talk about being visually impaired, too, and learning the language, but... So what was your first experience with learning English? How did you first get started, if you remember? Um, you mean like here in the U.S.? Yeah, I... or just whenever, you know, you first started learning I mean, like I always, I, we had like a little bit of English in school in mm -hmm. Sudan, but it was not sufficient. Right. You know, in, like... fact, in fact, I was in a school where we didn't have an English teacher. We right. had a French teacher who mm -hmm. taught us English. Okay. I mean, it's, I mean, he knew some English, but that wasn't his, like, he wasn't an yep. English teacher, Yeah, you know, and, and, and they used him to teach us English, and, yeah. you know, so, I mean, he, he knew some, but he wasn't that, like, good, right. you know, but, it's I like mean, when, this is just how bad our English was, when you, you know. It's like here in the U.S. when you walk around to the schools and you go into your first Spanish class and the teacher's name is Senor Johnson and you're like, there's no way this guy should be teaching me Spanish, man. Right, but anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's, I mean, that's not always true. Though, right, you know? right. But it's like, yeah. but it's just funny because he told us he's not really great with English. He knows because mm -hmm. he studied a little, but he's, he yeah. can manage, you know. Uh -huh. and, and he taught us. And I mean, but we didn't really speak. I mean, I remember. And then the difficult part is like, you know, because we come from a dif completely different, like, um, you know, like this, there's a whole, there is a big split, you know, like between the, the Middle East, Eastern world, the Western world. Like there is a lot of cultural differences mm -hmm. in addition to the languages and like the language differences and all that. Like it's just a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that we don't know. Like I didn't really like watch Hollywood movies growing up. Yeah. Like those are pretty popular, like in mm -hmm. some part of the world that people <laughs> would know about the U.S. So I was very culturally, culturally not like aware here in the it's, US it's probably better anything. to be unaware of some of the stupid stuff that we do here right. in Hollywood, but yeah. yeah. You know, anyway, so it's yeah. like, it's like, I was just like coming to this alien world, you know, it yeah. wasn't like I came to a place where it's like, I know stuff about it. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, mm -hmm. It's like sending an American, an American. Sending one of, sending an to American China. to Sudan or, like or to, to China. To Sudan, yeah. you know, yeah. it's just not something. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> so, so it was an experience within itself, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I mean, um, just coming here and like to learn about the language, but I, I, I struggle with the accent, of course, that was another thing. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you hear the English we speak, it's mostly closer to a British, a British accent, English. yeah, mm -hmm. but it's not either, it's not even British, but closer a little bit, and the way we pronounce words are very different. So, like, I struggled. I remember whenever somebody asked me something. I would just like look at my uncle, like, mm -hmm. you know, you know, help me out here. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. are they saying? Mm -hmm. What are yeah, they asking yeah. about? What? That was my fear, like mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. hearing what people pronounce and what they ask me. You mm -hmm. know, that was my always mm -hmm. struggle at the beginning. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. Let's 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 dive in deep here because this is like a really interesting topic. It's something that 
for me as a language learner is something that I'm passionate about trying to understand better. It's something for our listeners that's really important. I hear a lot of people say, you know, it's very difficult to understand people when they speak English, whether it's native people from, you know, U.S. or even sometimes they say native British or Australian speakers, but it is very difficult to understand any sort of colloquial accents. And I have, I've gone through the same struggle, you know, as someone like I speak Arabic, as you can imagine, you know, trying to understand Saudis and Iraqis and people yeah. from all over the Arabic world. I'm like, what the hell are yeah, they saying? Yeah. You know, and so how did you... How did you go from really struggling with understanding the American accent at the beginning to, you know, now you understand everything, basically? I really think it's um, cultural and like, and, and, and of course, I mean, I was forced to learn in English, you know, mm -hmm. all the materials in college was in English, like they were in English. So mm -hmm. I had no choice. Like, I, I mean, like I had to pass my classes. I had to do well. I had to study. And mm -hmm. just a lot of time studying. But also there is that element of meeting a lot of friends mm -hmm. and hanging out. I mean, you know, used to go out, mm -hmm. yeah, music, yeah. you know, listen to music, go mm -hmm. to movies, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, like watch movies, uh, watch uh, comedy shows, listen mm -hmm. to some of these, you know. And, and I, I, I think, honestly, socialization in general mm -hmm. is a very helpful uh, yes. tool for language uh, yes. for language I really think for me it's like in college I spent a lot of time you know studying but at the same time I spent a lot of time going out and having fun mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah, meeting yeah. people yeah and, mm -hmm. and, and you know and people loosen up when they meet you in like a you know, mm -hmm. a bar, a place, something, you chill out, you're hanging out, you're talking to someone. Yeah. You know, you learn the language that way. Yes. You know, because There's people no are actually way, talking yeah. to you. Uh -huh. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's equally yes. helpful as as my college materials. Oh, Just yeah, totally. To people, yeah. if not even more. You know? No, like a bar is way better than a book exactly. for learning languages, usually. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, it's it's yeah it's crazy i mean it's the most natural way to do it and especially if you're looking to pick up on the accent or right. just even be more conversational right exactly because one thing that's difficult for all of us and this even happens to me like not so much in spanish because i speak spanish a lot i speak spanish frequently right. but with like arabic and portuguese which i speak well but sometimes I just struggle even with like basic greetings or things you would say to people when you're hanging out with them right. because I just don't use them very often, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you just go into a social situation, you know, just, hey, what's up? Or, hey, how have you been over the past week? You know, all these little random things that we say all the time. You just build so much fluency when you're hanging out with someone at a bar Absolutely. as opposed to studying from a book. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know? Yeah. It's... Uh... I, so, so I feel like that helped a lot, and and also honestly, I have to give credit to my niece. I mean, my 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 cousin actually, not my niece. She's my cousin. I call her my niece because the, the age, you know the age difference. She was uh, maybe about three or four year old when I came to the U.S. Uh -huh. uh, now, yeah. now she's like nineteen or twenty. She's, okay. she's in college. Yeah. But anyway, so. Um, she was learning English because she was learning to, right. you know, talking and all that stuff. And, mm -hmm. and so her and I were actually learning English together and I stayed with them. Okay. Um, because like yeah. she's learning to talk yeah, in yeah, English, yeah. you know, she's yeah. living here. 
And I was learning to talk in English. Yeah, she's <laughs> learning as if it's her first language. You're, you're learning like it's a second language, second but language. either way. Yeah, yeah, but it's the same thing. Like, so it really helped me a lot also. If there is children involved, yes. they help. Mm-hmm. They help a lot, you know. Um, because like she's, she talks, she says stuff, and I'm like, oh, what was that? And then I'm like, oh, she means this. Okay, you mm-hmm. know, like that kind of thing. And uh, so I always, uh, I, I found it pretty helpful too. Okay. Um, and also, you know, just, um, I was, books, you know, reading mm-hmm. books is also good. Oh, so you did yeah. use the books every now I mean, and then. I there did, is an yeah. advantage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is, you know, vocabulary-wise, you know, you need to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and then, and, and also news. I mean, now I don't like to listen to news because it's, everything is so right. tragic. It's, but, yeah. um, I mean, the world hopefully will be a better place here. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, Inshallah, as they would say in yeah, Sudan. Yeah, oh, hala, oh, hala. So, um, you know, but that's, um, yeah, um, I guess the summary that I was going to give of that is, you know, for people who are wanting language tips, mostly go to bars, but occasionally read your book as well, you know, absolutely. No, no, the bars are very helpful. They were very helpful in my, you know, English learning journey for sure. Yeah. Um, well, it's about natural conversations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's um, like, and, and the people that actually talk to you in the bar, like they see you in college and they barely say hi to you because everybody's mm-hmm. like running to class, you know, everybody's like oh, yeah. running to study for a test, everybody, you know, and it's like, even if you talk to them, it's just not like as fun. Like there's not a right. lot of stuff to talk about. It's like, hi, you know, I've seen you before this and that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think, um, and also being in a relationship with someone who lives here mm, or yeah. from here, that's mm-hmm. also helpful, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's another way to teach you the culture, another way to teach you. I mean, I was, you know, I, did, I dated a few, um, um, uh, like a few ladies that were mm-hmm. very, you know, nice, uh, yeah. locals and, and they were pretty good. You know, they teach you stuff and you teach them stuff. Right. Know, and yep. it's, it's good. Mm hmm. Yep. So that's another element. Yep. You're getting that, that daily immersion, as we call it, at Keep Talking. Right. You know? <laughs> that daily immersion with a special someone in your life. The, um, the most fascinating part of your just language learning journey to me is that, as I was explaining to you earlier, you know, I'm someone who, when I've learned languages, I always love to see words written down, you know, and I even like kind of almost visualize words in new languages in my head. You know, I see the letters in my head because that's what helps me memorize words. So as someone who's visually impaired, I've always thought it was amazing, you know, how you learn new words, um, you know, without seeing the letters. And so for me, I guess, can you explain like, okay, when you were learning English, if you remember this and even like, well, maybe you know, you, you speak a little bit of Spanish, right? Like, I know you, you know some words in Spanish. A little bit of French, too, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. French more than Spanish, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, I do probably more French than Spanish. And I, okay. I know Spanish, too, because I, yeah. I was learning English with a lot of Spanish speakers. Exactly. And I actually used to say, oh, you know, like, I'm actually learning more Spanish than English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there were more people I was talking to who yeah, were yeah. learning English at the same time. No, yeah, and that's definitely true. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of good places to learn Spanish here in the U.S. Right. <laughs> um, but I guess, so when you're learning, do you think that you can describe how when you're learning new vocabulary words in, well, in English or Spanish or French or any other language, right. how do you do it? How does your brain, 
how does your brain learn a new vocabulary word? Yeah, well, you know, that's a good question because auditory learning is not easy, of course, mm -hmm. you know, because right. I, I, that's one of the reasons I struggled for a while with spelling. Mm -hmm. Because like I never see word written, words written, you know, right. I always hear them. Yeah. So my spelling didn't start great, you know, like it took a while for me to like be fine with spelling and, you know, just years and years of like reading and listening. And then the, the only way I, you know, the only way I was able to consume or digest that part of the language um, was, as you're saying, like looking at the word, you know, for me, it's like actually feeling it, right? That's. It's mostly came through Braille. Mm -hmm. After I learned Braille, I like mm. and reading books because, like, if you hear the word, you know, spelling is a whole different animal. Oh yeah, you know, well, in English, especially in English, sucks. like yeah. in Arabic, it's not. You know, Arabic. Arabic is not yes. even Spanish. Span I think Spanish is easy. Better, yeah. better way. To, it's easier yes. to spell than English. Yes, I much feel like, mm -hmm. You know, so so it was hard for me, but Braille, Braille, of course, helped. And then also the screen reader that I use, mm -hmm. that I was, you know, uh, taught to use uh, with my computer or for my computer um, mm -hmm. uh, skills or whatever. I, I was learning this uh, software. So the software, it, 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 it allows you to control, um, control the words, you know, you can, you can find out how to, you find out, you read the word letter by letter, you know, you can read yeah. line by line, you can mm -hmm. read word by word. So I was able to check out the spelling. If any word that I wanted to check the mm -hmm. spelling, you can go back and see what spell, how, how you spell it. Okay. And, and that kind of thing. So that's, but of course it's a lot slower than just seeing it. Right. Know? Yeah. So that, and therefore it took me a long time to be good at spelling. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was, you know, two, three years of struggle trying to figure out all the spelling and, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just, so it becomes natural after a while. Right. Like you can take a guess of how the word spells. But yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it was partly, you can tell it was not an easy um, thing for me to learn spelling, mm -hmm. you know, because it's well, just not the same window that I get, you know. Well, yeah. And actually now another question just popped into my head is, so when you're typing and spelling things, because you've done a lot of work where you type on computers all the time, you know, you're entering in information um, into a computer, spelling, right. spelling matters, of course. Right. And when I think about it, it's like, yeah, all of us now, especially with the tools we have online and, you know, whether it's Google, spell check, whatever it is, right. right? Like we're always seeing something that basically tells us when we spell a word wrong and then it just it either auto corrects or, or we just correct it. Right? right. So how does it work for you when you're using a screen reader or when? So, so, so at the beginning it didn't tell me because right. the technology is becoming better and better, you know, yeah. over the years. Mm -hmm. But back then it was a problem, you know, mm -hmm. like I sure. just, I just, I, it didn't, doesn't tell me, oh, this is a word, this is spelled wrong. Right. Like, but, you know, a, year, a few years later, it started saying, oh, there is something wrong here in your sentence. <laughs> you know, it kind of, yeah, it yeah. went slowly, you know. And, and now it's like, <laughs> now it actually tells you, oh, this, like, as soon as you finish typing the word, it says, oh, it, yeah. that word is misspelled. Mm -hmm. You know, it yeah. actually found that, you know, it finds the actual problem now, mm -hmm. you know. So, so it's narrowing down the options and it's, it's, and actually, I think even now, Sometimes it's even automatically spells, it, it fixes spelling for you. Okay. Um, 
you know, like it will give you options. Do you want to right. say this word or that word? And then you click. So the screen reader is able to detect, uh, de detect some of these uh, issues. The screen reader itself is becoming more sophisticated. Technology is becoming more mm -hmm. sophisticated, you know. But yeah, I started from zero where things were always not clear, you know. There's, uh, so technology is good. It's a double-edged sword, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a problem, uh, especially now, with all the constant updates and yeah. like all that stuff, it's very difficult with screen, screen readers because it's like sometimes you find stuff easily and then the next day they did some kind of an update and you can't find it. Mm, yeah. You know, whether you're trying to find it, search for something or, and it's just because something was changed visually. But mm -hmm. for the screen reader, it just like that change. Or, you know, it that affects make everything. Any, it did not yeah. make any sense. Oh, know? okay, I see. Yeah, and it's like it, it affects the way it operates, you know. Mm -hmm. And so there is always a competition between the companies, you know, the companies that make these screen readers. They're really always in a catch-up game, you know, constantly mm -hmm. catching up, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, they have to play catch-up with their technology because the other people who are just, you know, building the app and not worried about the screen reader yeah. are making changes to it and the screen reader company has to adapt to all those to changes. To adapt to all of these. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And and you know, I mean there is a law in the US, the ADA, whatever the American Disability Act or the American with Disability Act. I mean it's a good law, but that law was you know, it started in the early I think it was nineteen ninety when it was uh, mm -hmm. um put, you know, into uh, was enforced, mm -hmm. but I think um, it's hard because when it was made, I mean, they're trying to adapt it now, but I mean, it's there, you know, like mm -hmm. everything is supposed to be accessible. Companies are supposed to make accessible websites, but, but they, so they don't, Okay. you know, they don't because, because they don't expect to hire a blind person, you mm -hmm. know, if you know, it's not very common. I mean, Blind people in general, you know, minority. There are not a lot of people who are mm -hmm. blind. I mean, there are a lot of people who are visually impaired, mm -hmm. um, but not necessarily using, they're blind enough to use the screen readers. They have some vision, but maybe bad vision. Mm -hmm. They need like bigger fonts, bigger, you know, mm -hmm. uh, way of looking at the screen. But the screen reader is a whole different, you know, different animal, as you could say. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, yeah. that's you have to really be blind. They are like bad vision completely. Mm -hmm. And that, that's not always the majority of people. So the the chances of you finding a job in a company and it's always harder, of course, yeah. as a blind person. It's not yeah. very easy. Um, and then so that that's they don't design their website to make them accessible because sometimes it's not the most efficient or the most the cheapest way for them, or the you know sometimes it's just and it's not graphically the nicest or the right. the fanciest kind of uh, website and they want always want to have graphs colors and things and these things affect accessibility in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um yeah so so it's a challenge you know it's a constant you know uh, the law actually forces them to do that but as i said they a lot of the time they don't even hire blind people like so there is no need mm -hmm. um but um actually there was something about this that few years ago, I think that company they're saying when this law was made, um, you know, websites didn't exist. 
So therefore, I about this. Yeah, therefore yeah. we don't have to do that. It's like no, I mean law is also very adapt. You can adapt law. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like what? I'm sorry. No. No. What does the law exactly say? If you know, I actually kind of... don't know the content. Like I, all I know is that um, it applies in a lot of ways. You know, for mm-hmm. people with disability in general, whether you're in a wheelchair, whether you're deaf, whether you're blind, whether you're, and I think it's like different things. Like the way you know, wheelchairs need to have an accessible bus. Whatever they need to get on and off a bus, they need to have those wheelchair ramps. They need all these stuff goes into ADA. I think you know, mm-hmm. like. For blind people, they need to find braille next to bathrooms in these areas. All this stuff, like it's uh, mm-hmm. it's because of the that kind of law, you know. Right. And 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 the, but it also applies in all these smaller details where it's like your you know like accessibility in websites, accessibility right. in schools. You need to have a disability centers in colleges where they need to make the exams out a little longer, or you have your you have a room, so some people who have like dyslexia or, you know, slow learners, you know, they need some more time to do their tests. They need a quieter room. They need like all these kind of things. All that stuff goes under the umbrella of the ADA. The okay. Disability Act. So it's a huge, you know, it's a huge, um, uh, great law. I mean, yeah. it's a good law, you know. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah. Well, actually, I Googled it here. I want to check real quick and see what this says. Google's making me do the thing where I check all the squares to see, please select all the vehicles here. Google Google wants to make sure I'm a real person, basically. Right. There's no fire hydrants in this picture, Google. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're getting off topic again here, talkers. Boy, they're, they're giving it to me on this one. They want me to do like four of these you are not a robot captcha things. Oh, Let's see. All right. All right. It still thinks I'm a robot. Well, hell. Oh, wow. Oh. Huh. Well, maybe Google's just... Wow, guys, we're having a look at this. This is some technological errors right here. All right, what was I searching for? Okay, so ADA Disability Act or something like that. Okay, all right, come on, Google. I've actually never had this where Google is shutting me down. Okay, now here we go. There we go. All right, Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. So just Wikipedia because that's the only source I use usually. Sorry, professors. Okay. It's a civil rights law that prohibits discrimination based on disability. It affords some of the protections against discrimination to Americans with disabilities as the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which made discrimination based on race, sex, religion, etc. Illegal. Okay. Yeah. So prohibits discrimination based on disability. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's a general. I mean, it's a, it's big, a very general very law. Very general. Yeah. But you can see it includes everything. Right. Yeah. It's from the definition of the. Right. You know, mm-hmm. From what? Yeah. Well, what is it that you see in certain either websites or in you know apps or different software systems that usually are not um, accessible either to visually impaired people, you know, or people with a any lot, sort of. I mean, a lot of things like you know, like big websites sometimes, like Google, for example. They're you know they're pretty good. I mean, yeah, because they're that big, so they have to be. Yeah, um, I mean, if Google's not doing good, I don't know who else is gonna. Yeah, right, <laughs> like they have, like Google is pretty accessible. Yeah. You know, like Facebook is pretty accessible. Mm-hmm. Like these websites are pretty accessible, but then it, when it comes to like individual companies, yeah, you know, like those are not necessarily you know hundreds of billions of dollars mm-hmm. money, but they are also they could be in the billions, but not necessarily that yeah. amount. You know, they could be in the millions. They don't necessarily, 
you know, they don't have to deal with this. Like they are kind of, they go under the radar, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's high yeah. stuff because their website is not accessible. Then mm -hmm. you can't work. If you're a blind person, you can't work with them. You can't, you know, I mean, once they hire you, they will have to find a way to make it accessible. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's difficult a lot of times. And it's you know, not it's... easy because sometimes if it's like, yeah, it's like, it's actually they don't have to. What they do is they they they, they ask the blind the blind schools or the blind services in the state that you're in here in the United States. They will have to find a way to make your screen reader customized in a way to be able to um, um, operate with that specific website or with that specific software right. that the company is using, and mm -hmm. that's not always successful. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so you kind of have to get. You kind of have to get, you find a middle ground where the company has to do something and you have to do something. Uh, the service yeah. the line has to do something so you can reach a good solution. But if the company is not does not have a way of fixing their website because they it's a website that they get and it's cheaper or they get support right. from a specific country, a specific company that support them, supports them and like it's harder for them, it's costly, it's this and that, you know. Um, so it's, it's always hard, you know, it's, it's always a challenge. Mm -hmm. always a challenge. Well, I'm curious, actually, I want to check out, uh, so I want to go to Keep Talking's website and see how accessible it would be considered to be. Um, I, I'm, so should we do this on my computer or on your phone to see if the Keep Talking website looks accessible? What do you think? Well, I, I mean, th this is, this is a good question, but I think, um, the problem here is. I don't have the screen reader for the computer, oh, so okay. we won't be able to tell. Yeah, that um, makes sense. But the other problem is with the phone. I could. Do, do you? You have? A, no, you don't have an app, right? It's a. It's a website. Actually, it would be through Safari, then, right? Okay. I'm an iPhone yeah. user. Yeah, so, we'll do it later. Well. Yeah, I mean, we can, we can, we can test it out. But I mean. If it's a simple website, it should be accessible, uh -huh, you know, but yeah. it's, if it's like sophisticated, a lot of colors, a lot of right. like designs and stuff, well, it, they, yeah. that, but also it's, if it's very simple, it, it might not be accessible. So, so there are a lot of things that we can look into. I can check it out. We can check it out mm -hmm. later and we can report to them too. Awesome. Um, yeah. This, this was mainly Diego Castaño. If you're listening to this, you're off the hook. Diego is one of our students who is also, he manages our website. And um, nice. so I was going to see if he's got it um, up to snuff, as we say in English, if he's got things yeah. updated and accessible. Yeah. But then I guess maybe the law doesn't apply if the website was made in Colombia. I don't know, since it's a, right. since it's an, it's a U.S. law. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he really, yeah. But he's we should still public. make it accessible. <laughs> so right. Diego Castaño, you're off the hook if you're listening to this, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's awesome man um well i wanted to talk about um about arch too because so um for those of you listening arch language network is a company that i i still work for um and i worked for them for about well i've worked for them for about nine years total now i'm getting old man yeah. nine years total no, um nice. and they're an interpreting and translating company here in minnesota in the u.s where muhammad and i live and when I started working with them, Muhammad was working as um, one of the scheduling coordinators there. 
Um, and he worked there for, well, you worked there for what? Was it I, eight, yeah, actually nine, worked there years? For nine years? Yeah, for nine years yeah, total. I started with them, I think, a year before you or a year yeah. and a half. Yeah, yep. And I, uh, and I was done with them last, uh, early, early, uh, Oh, last year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Early and, last year, 2020. Yeah. It was nine years. And the thing, the thing that always like impressed me was that you were honestly the most reliable and basically the best of the scheduling coordinators in spite of your visual impairments, you know. Right. And I guess, um, so how exactly did you do your job? Or can you explain what was your job just a little bit, what you had to do on a daily basis? Yeah, so basically, I mean, when I started with Arch, it was a small company, you know. It yeah. was, um, I started with them, I think we were managing about 80 appointments a day. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a language, it's a translation company, as Sean said. Um, we used to cover about 40 languages. So we used to provide uh, medical interpreters and, 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 and legal, um, medical and translation actually also for uh, medical translation and legal translation and legal interpreting. Mm -hmm. um, but mostly medical. Mm -hmm. uh, the legal was very like uh, rare. Yeah. But we, legal sucks uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we, so when I started with them, I actually started with them as a medical interpreter myself. Mm -hmm. And I, um, that's right. Yeah. I, yeah, and I went to. I used to interpret. I used to go to hospitals. You know, that was very challenging though because you really need a car to be able to to go around because the the, the nature of the job itself. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's like you have to go. So you will have like three, four appointments a day, mm -hmm. um, and each appointment you will be lucky. I mean, very rarely that. The, the, you will have two appointments in one location. Right. That's yeah. very uncommon. You're always driving from like one location Like you're always going around between yeah. different locations. Hospitals, right. um, county services, home visits, you know, depending on what kind of services you're interpreting for. We used to do a lot of that. So I, I wasn't able to make good money because I couldn't, I don't drive, of course. I mean, mm. maybe when they have driver, driverless cars. Mm -hmm. that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. You know. Elon, Elon, help us out here. So it takes a longer time to get from one place to another because they have to pick up other people. And if you have to go to like three, four places a day, it's just impossible. There you go. You know. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that for a while. And then I they liked me enough as an, as an interpreter. And they told me that, well, they have position in position opens inside the company. Like I can be staff, and I said, sure, I'll take that. You know, mm -hmm. it'd be yeah. easier. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a different perspective because I was the one that basically um, helping uh, interpreters getting their jobs and assigning them jobs, and depending on where they live geographically. And and I loved it. You know, I loved mm -hmm. that job. Like right. I loved you know helping patients finding interpreters. I loved helping interpreters finding work and getting them what they want and the locations and and I just loved my job. I'm very I'm a very social person. Yep. And I loved interacting with all these different backgrounds, you know, people from different backgrounds. I mean we had forty languages. So we had over like fifteen hundred interpreters mm -hmm. um working for us. Um, mm -hmm. back right. and we were all over the Minnesota, not just the Twin Cities, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to cover, you know, different towns in Minnesota. And, and sometimes, in some extreme cases, we actually worked in South Dakota for a bit. Like, we used to have cases from Sioux Falls. Um, I didn't know that. Okay. You know, yeah, it wasn't, like, very common, but it used to be, like, 
specific customers and they make like exceptions and you know it's it's kind of complicated when it comes to like the billing and all that stuff so mm -hmm. they would always make exception if they desperately need but i think south that was a different state next to us here it's called south dakota i guess yeah mm -hmm. and uh, i think now the population they probably have more immigrants there now because back then i think you know they don't have as much so mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to find interpreters and yeah so yeah i mean so 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 it was a fun job but also i was doing it in a way that you know i interacted with people a lot over the phone over chats over whatever messages and 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 a lot of people interpreters like sean like they didn't even know i'm blind that's that's the thing man you know? and i was one of the few that knew early on because you know i met you in person right away but i had a friend right. named pablo who was an interpreter as well right. and you know i used to hang out with pablo a lot and he he said he didn't know you were blind until like three years after he started working with arch right. you know right. and because yeah we as interpreters we would talk to muhammad on the phone almost every day right and you know, Muhammad was the one we would want to talk to because he was just really on top of his stuff. When I say on top of his stuff, I mean like he was very organized. He was very good at his job. Um, he knew what he was doing and he was easy to work with. Right. And, um, you know, it just, it's, a, it's no, you definitely were, man. And it's, um, it, it, it's really amazing because you're doing a job where you have to, where you were multitasking for one, you know, but then everything is via computer, you know, you, right. There's was, all this information you have to take in from the computer. Yeah, so and, I had a headset. Yeah. You know, I had a, an ear uh, headphone or headset, what do you call it? Like mm -hmm. in, my, in one of my ears that I was listening to. Right. To, because I wanted to listen to the computer. And I don't want to, you don't want your computer to be talking without a headset because then the coworkers that I have, they will be listening to my computer and it's right. very distracting. Yeah. So to block the screen readers from other people, I had a screen reader. So I had to have my headset in one ear and then. Had to have the phone in another year to be able to communicate with interpreters, tell them where to go, yeah. and check on the, you know, if their status, if they're finished with their appointment, they're looking for something else. So I was, you know, working as an auditory worker, I guess. Yeah, literally. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, everything I had to do was through listening. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's your listening skills are, you know, more advanced than any person that I've ever met, right? And, um, well, first off, it's very impressive when I think about you essentially, you're dealing with one set of information in one ear, while at the same time you're dealing with another set of information in the other ear. Right. You're listening to your computer in one ear and you're listening to me in the other ear. Right. You know, if I was trying to do that, I mean, I say that I'm not very good at quote unquote multitasking in general. Um, if I'm trying to listen to one set of information in one ear and another set of information in the other ear, no, there's no chance. It's not going to happen. And so that's what really impressed me, I guess. Um, well, you, you know, if you have one, one of your senses are not functioning. Right. You, you have one well, focus and the other. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, that's what they say at least, but I think it's but, true to some extent. Well, okay, so yeah, to talk to us more about that because this is something I think about. I'm like, can we improve our senses? I think yeah. I think we all can, actually. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a blind-related thing. I mean, a lot right. of people think, oh, blind people might have more chances. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, it, I don't think we actually have more chances, but I actually, like, more or easier way. I think we just have it because we have no other option. You see mm -hmm. what I mean? Right. So like we have, we get this thing where it's like, so the eyes are not working. Um, so you kind of have to focus on different 
different senses you know like you you mm -hmm. actually it's kind of like a meditation skill you know yeah so the ability to focus on something exactly yeah but so so when you have a lot of options it's hard mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so i think that's one of the main trick here that's but i think anybody is capable of being very sharp with listening Mm -hmm. Very sharp with tasting. I mean, you know, unless you have a specific hmm. disease or something that blocks you. But I mean, mm -hmm. or, you know, or some some kind of, and that's possible, of course. But you know, but I think anybody can do it. Right. You know, um, yes. I think it's just that for us, it's simpler because we have less options with the other senses. This is very interesting. Um, just the idea of having less options and not being distracted by the other options. I think about it for myself. So I'm someone who meditates every morning, not for that long. Oftentimes it's only for five or 10 minutes, mm -hmm. but I meditate just to try to focus solely on one thing. Usually it's on my breathing, right? Nice. To improve my ability to concentrate on my breathing. But when you think about it as a human being, you know, when we're trying to activate all of our senses and we're just trying to focus on our breathing, well, we usually close our eyes. And now that I think about this, we probably close our eyes to get to take away that option, you know? Yes, so yeah, we only, we, we're not focusing on what we see, so we yeah. close our eyes. Yeah. Now, we don't really, I would say I definitely don't focus on like what I smell. I'm not really focusing on what I'm touching. Right. And I'm also not really focusing what I'm, on what I'm hearing at that time, so I'm trying to focus only on what I feel, right. which is the breath coming in and out, right. you know? Right. But even then, it's very difficult it's amazing how difficult it is for most human beings to focus only on breathing or just to focus only on sitting there and meditating for five minutes. It's yeah. almost impossible Yeah, because we're think, so easily distracted by our other senses. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, um, yeah, our senses are in our brain. Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I think the problem also is um, with humans in general, we tend to think, we tend to think about the future mm -hmm. and the past a lot yes you know yep. we don't we really struggle to think about the present mm -hmm. and actually i mean that's the main that's the main thing like the main important thing is to focus on the present it's the only thing right yeah. it's the only mm -hmm. thing but we don't yeah it, it's hard because you would be like thinking what am i gonna do tomorrow what am yes. i going to do five minutes from mm -hmm. now yeah what did i do just you know what happened yesterday or why did that happen yesterday right right but like now it's the most precious moment right right so it's like but that's that's meditation by itself yes like if you can focus on now yes you know mm -hmm. like focus on the present that actually will help you like in a lot of ways yes you know but it's it's always a challenge but it's doable well, the big concept that everyone talks about is called flow state nowadays, flow state, you know, and it's essentially being present in the moment, right? right? And they talk about flow state as something where, you know, you essentially don't even realize that time is passing by because you're so focused in the moment on what you're doing, you know? And as human beings, especially in this kind of strange modern world, we're almost always living in the past. We're thinking about the past, um, or we're thinking about the future, not always in the past, but usually in either the past or the future, not that often focused on the present, like you just said, right? And people often talk, when they talk about flow state and meditation, they say that you can really be meditating or being in a flow state doing, an, doing almost anything, 
You know, sitting here having this conversation, I think we're getting pretty close to flow state because we don't give a shit what happened yesterday. You know, we're not worried about tomorrow at this moment. We're talking about right now, you know, and they say you can do the same thing. You can do the same thing when you're actually sitting there meditating, focusing on your breathing. You can do the same thing when you're exercising. You can do the same thing when you're eating just to sit there and actually focus on your eating to be in kind of a meditative flow state where you just focus on that one sole thing. Right. Um, yeah, eating is actually a very, that's one of the easier ones too, people mm-hmm. can focus on, you know? Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, like uh, yeah. yeah. I'll be sitting there watching YouTube videos while I'm eating and like not even knowing what's going in my mouth. Right, you know, right, right, What am I doing here, man? No, <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I enjoy, I, I meditate, I meditate through eating sometimes. Like, yeah. like when I'm eating my meal, yeah. like I'm always like just enjoying the taste. Yeah. That meal. Well, it's like, probably the best way to do it. Man. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and you eat slowly, like yeah. I eat very slowly. I, yeah. just, I like it, you know. I don't, and and it's nice. Like a lot of people tell me, "Whoa, you eat really slowly." And yeah, I said, yeah, uh-huh. because I enjoy everybody. You do yeah, actually. Now nice. that I think about it, because you eat even slower than I do. Like right? I eat slow. Yeah. I eat slow. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a meditation. Yeah, it's yeah. A, I eat slow, but you eat even slower, man. Right, right. I yeah. eat slow I because every that. bite counts. Um, I think humans are, there's just so many distractions, you know, and, and, and it's easy to get distracted right. in this world, but it's important to like, uh, you know, understand like we, that's not the way things were, you know, for no. decades or centuries or, you know, but uh, now it's hard. We live in a top world, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's a, it has its advantages and disadvantages, mm-hmm. for sure, you know. Absolutely, man. Uh, yeah, I had never thought of it as, you know, when I thought about your language learning, or, well, your language learning journey and the way that you did your job with Arch, which fascinated me by taking in one set of information in one ear right. and then another one in the other ear and being able to focus on both at the same time. Right. Just the incredible listening skills that you had and the incredible focus skills that you had to have to do that. Right. Um, I never really looked at it from the same lens as I look at like meditation and entering into a flow state and blocking out distractions. But essentially that's kind of what it is, right? Because I'd imagine that when you were working with Arch, you more than anyone had to block out all distractions. You have to totally block out distractions. I mean, I chatted with my coworkers a lot, but (laughs) but I mean, I mean, but it's still, they were talking to coworkers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love talking to my coworkers. I had a lot of fun. We, We, you know, but, but but we were also on top of our work. Like everybody was yeah, sitting yeah. next to me. Because it was hard job, work. You know? yeah. Yeah. So it was it was fun. It was good. But at the same time, I did not play around when it comes to like me focusing on my task, you know, that day. Like if I had, you know, fifteen appointments to fill in the next hour, that was my task. Like yes. so usually yeah. I get it done and then I talk to my coworkers. Uh-huh. You know, and I and but it's fun. Like it's as you said, that's a way to keep your focus in one place. But of course, I don't. You know, for me, I have problem with this idea of uh, you know working eight hours a day, and that's a different topic. <laughs> but but well, yeah, you know, I I well, have problem for working for someone. You know, uh, and and making mm-hmm. all the money, making the pocket change, as they say, mm-hmm. and then making millions. I mean, yep. you know, it's, it's just I feel like it's a uh, it's not a good healthy 
think. You mean it's kind of a problem with capitalism, almost, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh you know. So, 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 but, but, but yes, like I loved my work and I loved my job because I was Mm -hmm. doing something in the community and I was able to focus and like do, you know, finish my task on time. And Mm -hmm. I was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun time, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I met a lot of cool people. Uh, yeah, Sean. And, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm definitely not as cool as quite a few of the other interpreters, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it was an interesting community, and yeah, that's interesting. You, you, your comment about um, oh yeah, it is. It's a whole another topic about not wanting to work for someone for eight hours a day. You know, right, right. yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's just I, I feel like I mean, work is good. It's good to work, and it's, yeah. it's a focus, but. At the same time, it's uh, you want to find something. I mean, like I would like to do that kind of job for myself, you know, like my right. own company, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually that would be the goal, you know. Yeah. I mean, right now it just like I do have this uh, home care stuff with a friend, but it's it's pretty slow, you know, a little bit of business on the side, mm-hmm. and uh, we're working on it. But yep. you know, it'll take some time, but we'll hopefully we'll pick up and uh, we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, trying to be independent. I really try not to work for someone. I'm trying my best. Yeah, you're sick of that, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, it's ten, ten years of it's enough. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Do, hmm. yeah. Do you think that? Yeah. Hmm. Because I would say that in my experience with Arch, I mean that the people. Well, it was a tough job, you know, for and, and not an easy environment to work in, certainly, for the people who worked in the office. Right. Um, you know, I think, um, I mean, would you say that that's part of the reason the company is maybe not doing as well now, just because they didn't treat um, employees that well, or because it was, you know what I mean? The company has yeah, been struggling. I think, I think they grew quickly, you know, because I think I was saying earlier that when I started with them, we were doing like 80 appointments a day or, yeah. you know, and by the time, four, I mean, I worked with them for like nine years and, and like, and in four years, we were actually making like a thousand appointments a day. Really? Like, so look, like from 80 to a thousand, like that's how we grew with the company. Wow. So they started making a lot of money and they... You know, and then the more money you make, the greedier you become, apparently, yep. in this world. The more Unfortunately. Money, more money, more problems. Yeah, and then, you know, Said I mean, Biggie and Puff. All right, go on. Right. So it, it's it's like after a while, but then, but then, like, if you become so greedy and thinking about just want to have more and more customers, mm-hmm. and, and then you want to, you don't care about the service you're doing, mm-hmm. then it's, things start going down again. Mm-hmm. Because they just started, like, you know, I mean, like, I don't want to bash my job, whatever, you know. But, yeah. but it's reality. Like, you can't be doing a job, you do a good job, and then suddenly it's all about money. Yeah. And now it's you, you're actually performing less, and and then you're losing customers. And yeah. by the time I left, you know, we were making 300 appointments a day. Yeah. I mean, look, it went from 80 to 1,000 to 300. To I mean, yeah. you can't do that. Like, it's just, you know, if you grow, you got to keep growing but you also have to calculate like don't just think about the money you know you don't have think to maintain about a new quality customers. of service exactly yeah. you have to keep your quality going you know and then you gotta you know but it was for us it was just uh, very specific and it's uh, so I, I i just had enough you know and i think it was time for me to find my own job and, right. uh, sorry i don't you know i mean that you know that 
they're nice people to work for, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's just the way it is, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I, I'm trying, uh, you know, finding my other, my uh, new position in life, you know. Mm -hmm. um, be independent, work for myself. Mm -hmm. um, it's not easy, of course, as a blind person, you know, but it's, oh, it's doable. Mm -hmm. It's doable. Mm -hmm. So it's all a process, you know. Um, I also worked as a, an Arabic referral line manager, so I used to get all the calls. That's right, yeah, you, because you were doing like double duty for a while. Yeah, when you were with working, like I had a different position at the yeah. company. While I was doing the scheduling coordination uh, job, I was getting all these calls um, from the, all the, so Minnesota has 88 counties. Mm -hmm. And all the Arabic speaking clients, uh, Arabic speaking people Are in the friendly. state of Minnesota, <laughs> they used to come. They used to come through my line. I had this okay. uh, uh, line, phone line, fax line, all the stuff. They come to me, and I actually help them with all the social services that they get from the state of Minnesota. Okay. A lot of them were refugees. A lot of them were immigrants. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they, some of them, they didn't speak the language. They needed a translator. They were looking for child care, support, whatever, you know, um, housing assistance and all that assistance yeah. and all that stuff. And I, I, I was, I was their main person to contact and then I would help the, connect them to the county they worked they right. work on and, or, or they live in, in the county they are in. And, uh, so that was a very good job. I felt also I was doing something great for the community, helping people, you mm -hmm. know. And I used to report all the data to the Minnesota Department of Human Services, what kind of people we get, what kind of help we provide them, and all these things. And you know, mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. so. yeah. yeah, yeah, that's super cool. And I didn't even realize that you know you were telling me about that today. But yeah, that you did essentially kind of double duty, and it's. It's difficult to be someone in that position because when you are, you know, an Arabic speaker and you understand some of the resources that these people can have access to, right. all of a sudden you're like the go-to person. Like everybody wants to call you and talk to you. Right. You know? They think I'm the solution. Yes. But I'm just kind of like a connection. Yes. Like, you know, for just a middle person. Middle yeah. person. Like I'm just referring them, referring them, and that's all I can do. But I can't really actually help them myself other than translating what they want, you know, right. interpreting what they want. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, you, you well, I actually wanted to talk, you had said that it's difficult um, for, you know, it's difficult for blind people in general to find jobs and, um, and things like that. I mean, what, well, I guess two questions. What advice would you give, you know, for other visually impaired people that can help them in their, you know, whether it's in their careers or just in life in general? Um, I know it's a, it's a big question, right? right. But yeah, I mean, I, I really like the independent living skills uh, program that I attended. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a few other ones There are different philosophies, I think, uh, different schools of, of like a different philosophies to how to approach this. Um, but I attended something called uh, Blind Incorporated in mm -hmm. Minneapolis. Um, and I actually taught there myself after I graduated from the program. Mm -hmm. I taught there two summers because I was only in, during the summer program I was a student. And then I was also a, an instructor during summer program for 
kids who are blind, they were between the age of nine and the age of 16, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. nine and 16. Okay. So we taught them the same things I, I learned, you know, how yeah. to use a white cane, how to cross the street okay. safely, how to... You know, how to learn, how to read Braille, right. how to cook, how to clean the kitchen, how to wash dishes, mm -hmm. all these kind of things. And, and, and it, was, it, was, it was a good experience that I really liked. I mean, honestly, but the, the place I was working with, it was mostly summer school. It wasn't like, I actually prefer to find that kind of job again, if possible, if I can. Right, full time with that kind of job, I would like that too. Mm -hmm. You know, right, but, you feel yeah. like you're actually doing something, and it's, mm -hmm. it's good. But um, um, going back to the question here, yeah, what would you, you know, how, what advice would you so, give to other visually impaired people? Yeah, so I would say I would definitely suggest them to find these kind of programs where they, I'm sure there are some independent living skills. Mm -hmm. programs where they teach you all these things and I think they would be helpful in the long run um, and uh, try to get out of your comfort zone for mm. a blind person yeah. you know it's 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 a challenge it's not easy because it's like there is that element of limitation right like you mm. can't see you can't you know and any and, 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 and you know and it's a lot harder of course for people who lose their vision um, suddenly Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, it's not the same as somebody who was born blind. I actually wasn't born blind, but... Talk to me about this again, yeah, because... Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I was born with this condition called retinitis pigmentosa. It's um, right. RP, retinitis mm -hmm. pigmentosa. And it's like a degenerative eye disease. So, so the older you get, the more vision you lose. And it's different. The RP itself, it's like a huge, it's like a big spectrum. It's like some people actually have retinitis pigmentosa, like the same condition as I, I do, but they can drive for like, until they're like 50s and 60s. Hmm. They can still drive, but then they will like, they are losing their vision in certain uh, peripheries, like yeah. peripheral vision. Mm -hmm. Some of them lose central vision. Right. Like it's different angles in your eyes you okay. know like you're, you're not able to see from certain corners whatever yeah. but like for some people like me i'm one of the rare ones in that condition where i have a very aggressive form of rp okay. so i lost my vision very quickly by the time i mean even even like when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed when I was nine months old. Okay. And, and my family actually realized that I have something wrong with my vision when I was like six months, hmm. you know? Hmm. But they couldn't figure out what's wrong with me until I was nine month, months old. Mm -hmm. But most people, I mean, the majority of people who have RP, they are not even diagnosed until they're in their 20s or 30s. Hmm. Mm. And and so 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 and a lot of them they stay with a little bit with quite a bit of vision for most of their life, um, but you know they run into things every now and then like into signs or something because they can't mm. see from certain right. angles. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was just good. You know, I was I was a, by the time I was eleven, I was done. Like I mm. can only ha I only have light perception. That's it. Okay. Like I was very you know from le I'm, I'm one of the like five percent of le or less. Um, the, the people that have this very aggressive form of RP. Mm -hmm. um, so, hmm. so it's easier to, uh, to, to, to be blind most of your life for sure 
than people who lose uh, their vision suddenly. Mm, so you right? think it, you think it was easier just to get used to it as you were really young, right? You know? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's never easy, but it's easier. Right? Yeah, relatively. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. it's relatively easier, and 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 it's it's because it takes a long time to grieve when you lose your vision. So yeah. you know, some people lose their vision. They're 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 sad. You know, for years. You know, it right. takes, and everybody's different. Some people can recover in two three years. Some people can be depressed for ten years. You know, right. it takes a long time. But eventually, you have to come to this. You know, conclusion, it's like, I got to find a different way to adapt. I have to learn different, uh -huh. uh, you know, independent living skills to be able to live, to be able to function in this world, you know, to be able to challenge myself, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now I do, I like to enjoy my life. I like, um, you know, I like to exercise. I like to Yeah, man, you've been hitting the fitness. I know yeah, that. I mean, I've, I've, run a few, I've been into running, you know, I love yeah. but I'm not like a where I wanted to be with running, but I will eventually, you know, uh -huh. uh, I've been running, I've been like, but I, I like, you know, it's, it's good to challenge yourself. And I feel like, as I say, I, I say blind people can do a lot of things in this world. The only thing that for sure we can't do hmm. yet, it's driving a car and flying an airplane, I think. That's Give pretty it much, time, man. Give that's it time. pretty much about it. You know, so, so, so I, don't know. I don't want to be relying on Elon. But, you know. <laughs> you know? There's a lot of Elon references right, in this right. episode, man. Yeah. Uh, we need some self-driving cars and some self-driving planes. That's yeah, but need. I mean, if, you, if they make it, great. You know? Yeah. Uh, great. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God. What the heck was the other thing that I was going to ask about when you were talking about that? Oh, man. It was the... Um, mm, oh, heck. It's okay. I, so... so so, so yeah, so the blind, I mean, I feel like, you know, I mean, it's not the end of the world that you become blind. That's a main, that's the underline, you know, that's the main thing. It's not, it's not like a death sentence, you know, you're still no. alive, you just have to live differently, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, and it's, uh, you will go through a lot, but you can, it's doable, it's manageable. Do you remember, you know, you were obviously very young when you totally lost, you know, when you lost most of your vision. Do you remember a specific grieving period that you went through when you were very No, young? because the nature of the RP is like you lose your vision gradually. So like, right. even though I lost it by the time I was 11 or 12, mm -hmm. but I also didn't lose it right away. Like it was like, suddenly I was like, oh, I used to see, you know, the, our neighbor's door like yeah across the street like what happened now i can't see it anymore like uh -huh. you know like it was very gradual but subtle you know but it so yeah. in like two three years i was like and then i used to play soccer when i was nine and ten i was good at it right and then suddenly i couldn't follow it anymore you know i was like oh i can't do it anymore okay you know like that kind of thing so you gradually start it's a gradual vision loss uh-huh um but you know, so you, I mean, it was hard. It's just like, oh no, I can't see that anymore. You mm -hmm. know, but then after a while, I was like, oh, okay, I still can see this. I can, see this. you know, so you kind of look at the bright side of things, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, but eventually it hits you sometimes. Right. You know, yeah. Like, it's like, oh, you know, and now, and I used to see all the colors. I mean, I'm lucky that way, I guess. I saw all the colors. Now they're just distant memory, you know, like hmm. I don't see them. But I still remember what they look like. Like if you tell me, oh, you're wearing a blue striped 
you know, shirt, blue and white striped shirt, you know, mm -hmm. whatever shirt. Did, is that's what you're wearing today, man. Yeah, is that, did no, you, did you know, wait, how did you know? Did like, uh, no, because I, I know this shirt. And yeah. yeah. Like, I know some of my shirts, the uh -huh. way they feel, the way, and also there are apps now you can yeah. download. There is an app that you can download. Uh, um, I think it's like color recognition, whatever. I actually don't have it, but I used to have one. Um, but I, I, I rely on Sometimes I just know the texture of my shirt, a t-shirt, and I know which one is that series. Mm -hmm. But right. there are color identifier apps for blind people. Okay. You know, there is a color identifier that tells you what color your shirt and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's doable, but I don't see the color anymore, but I know. Okay? Yeah. I'm a fan mm -hmm. of blue, so you'll always yeah, see yeah. me wearing blue. I'm a fan of blue and uh, mm -hmm. you know, all kind of blues, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> light blue, dark blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and I think one thing that I really respect about you too is just how much you've been able to recover from some of the, you've went through some really difficult things over the past couple of years in your personal and professional life, right. you know, without going into too many details. But um, right. I think that, uh, yeah, then, um, you know, I just see you now, I see you just doing really well in all, you know, just, you know, you're looking good. Like I said, you're looking very fit, definitely. Right. Right. Um, I know that you're working out every day and everything. Um, so yeah, just, yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I don't know. I always approach life. It's like life is short, you know, mm -hmm. you enjoy it, but there are a lot of things. I mean, that's a topic that's not, you know, it's a Sunday I want to get into, but there are a lot mm -hmm. of diseases in the world. People still dying from like, you know, hunger, poverty, right. um, a lot of other diseases, malaria, whatever. Um, but it's just one thing you learn is like, life is precious and every moment of it counts you know mm -hmm. um, so there are no reasons to like just to have all these uh, to you know to, 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 to really think about think to, to think about any bad experience in life you know bad experience like like everything is for a reason I feel like you mm -hmm. even if you had a bad experience that was a good experience, you know. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. It's an experience that would really help you in life, and like it's it's a learning. Experience, yes. You know what I mean? So so I don't know. It's just, I mean, as long as I'm alive, as long as my loved ones are alive, and everybody is alive and happy, then you know, just live life mm -hmm. as much as you can. Uh, there are a lot of challenges, you know. You become blind. In a day or two, I mean, I met I met random. I thought I I I studied with other blind school with a lot of people. Who, one guy used to work in construction. You know, he even built one of the stores that I used to go to, and it was just a coincidence. And suddenly he lost his vision. He was having a hard time coping with it. Hmm. But I was saying it's it's all process. It probably took him a few years, and he recovered hopefully. What happened to him that he lost his vision suddenly? I, actually, he said he just woke up one day and he was blind. No. Just woke up. Yeah. You're gonna scare I mean, the shit out of me. I know. I mean, you know, I mean, I know there Dang. are some. There are some like, I mean, there are some eye conditions. It's like a sudden heart attack. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's like an eye condition. Whatever, it's an eye thing that happens. I don't know what exactly mm. it was. I didn't ask him exactly what his condition. But he said he just got up one day and he found himself blind. He couldn't wow. see. And then when the, you know, so hmm. there are a lot of things, of course, that in the you know eyes, a human a human body is amazing. You know, mm -hmm. There's so much genes, there are so much, you know, defects, there yeah. are so much issues that can happen with anything. So, 
So being alive, that's the main thing. Every yeah. minute, I mean, counts. Do you, you think know? that, just in terms of losing your vision, that it is much harder for a person who's, let's say, in their 20s or 30s or 40s or even older, because then they're not able to learn how to, you know, live life without vision? It's, it's, it's harder, age? yes. It's yeah. definitely harder. Like, older people... They struggle more, you know, it's hard for them to learn Braille. It's, uh, right. I mean, they will learn it, but it's hard, you know. It's, it's like this sensory uh, skill that you have to develop. It's a lot easier when yeah. you learn it when you're younger, just like a language. Yeah. You know? um, and also, but it's not completely impossible. And also, it's just adapting in general, in any way, like the way you cook, you know, giving up your driving, your car. I mean, I, I never thought of that. Like, I, I actually, I am in, like, a lot of blind groups online and, and uh, people with RP, retinitis pigmentosa, like mm. my condition, but people that I'm telling you, they can drive until their 50s and 60s. And right. some of them, they, like, they cry when they, they learn that they have to give up their, their driving yeah. uh, now when they're in their 40s and 50s. And I'm like, whoa, I'm over here. I have the same condition. I never yeah. even got to drive, you know. But it's everybody has a different, you know, it's, you can't judge them. It's different. It's different experience because they drove. They know what's, what it's like to be independent. They know what it's like to be able to drive and have all that luxury, you know. And, and, and you know, but, but, they, but I don't know. I never mm -hmm. had that chance, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's a struggle for them. Mm -hmm. You know they, you know they struggle. It takes them years to, to come to term with, it, term mm. with it. You know, but for me it's like, ah, okay, it's not a big deal. But you know, I can see where they're coming from. Well, it's an ultimate like test of perspective. You know, right. um, yeah. yeah, just how do we, you know, how do we perceive the world? Um, man, this is really interesting. And I, you know, you talked about just how how important it is, how we have to enjoy every moment. I mean, it's all about perception and about just the way we perceive the world. And I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I guess I feel like a lot of us in the first world just get so wrapped up in, oh, well, we have to have everything. Everything has to be perfect. And really, we don't even enjoy the things that we have that much. Like we take so much for granted and we don't even really just appreciate what we do, what we all have in this life, if that makes sense. Um, so it's just really interesting. And I guess what I, what I try to like take away from this and from all the times like, you know, that I talk to you or whether it's, you know, another person who has any sort of, you know, impairment or whether it's a disability or just went through a difficult situation in life. It's like, if we could all learn to just really make the best of everything that we have, yeah. we could be just so much happier people overall. I mean, human beings, we have a weird, a weird tendency to be, um, you know, to focus on what is not perfect in our lives, right? right? Even if there are small little things. I mean, you know, we're living here right now, we're in the United States of America, you know, it's a beautiful day outside, I and mean, we have the frickin' internet that's recording this podcast, and we have whatever food we want to eat, you know, like, life's pretty good, right? Um, right. But we, as humans, we find ways to be, um, to feel like we're missing something or lacking something or things should be better, you know. Um, I don't know, man. So. No, I mean, I, I totally get you. I mean, you know, we, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting world, you know, that we live in. Yeah. You know, and, 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 but as you said, like, 
for us it's all about uh, it's it's uh, you know life can be simple and fun yeah you know? but we always seem to seek like we're always looking for something you know we it's overcomplicate it yeah we overcomplicate it sometimes yeah, yeah we're always looking for something yeah it's, uh, you wish it's just not that way but it's 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 uh I mean, it's, it's partly, it's really, you can't really blame that on, you know, like, it's not really society. I feel more of like, it's like a structural thing, you know, like, the, the way people need to live these days and what's expected of them and, you know. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's why I like our hunter-gatherer <laughs> <laughs> you know, We need to take yeah. some of those hunter-gatherer yeah, traits. Yeah. I think agriculture came with a lot of problems. You know? <laughs> I mean, agriculture yeah. is good. I mean, it's good to find yeah. food on the table every day for sure. But I got to talk to my, uh, my yeah. cousins from Iowa who are farmers and be like, you guys are the problem. You guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. agriculture caused all the problems. Yeah, it's just, you know. I mean, I mean, farmers. I mean, it's great, but you know. Right. I mean, I they're nest. You know, they they like, uh, they're very important to the world, but yeah, like living in a but, land. Yeah. You know, and uh, owning people, you know. Yeah. Like getting married Whoa. to somebody after uh, a lot of things, but yeah. You know. Yeah, it's a whole big, another big topic. But then that's another point is like, we think, I think about a person like myself, like I can't do anything. I'm not self-sufficient at all in this world. Like I don't know how, hardly how to make any of my own food or produce my own food. Like I go get it at the grocery store, right? right. Yeah. We're off on a whole nother tangent now, but it's just interesting. I mean, it's about perspective and then it's also about, you know, the key lesson here is when I think about the way that you've had to learn things and to do your job, it's like, it's just really about learning to focus on yes, what yes. we can be good at yes. because we get as human beings, we get so distracted by we're so distracted at being like mediocre at everything that we're not good at anything. Right. I think. Right. Um, yeah. So, really, yeah, yeah, it's very hard to be multi. Yeah. You know, we're not designed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Screw multitasking. Yeah. yeah. We should have like a round table debate about that. You'd be on my team, right? And that's I'm why the... we need to be, you know, focused. On yeah. Thing because that's, that's what we're good at. And that's what is, is good for our mental health and everything, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Well, but... and you know what? If we ever get into like a team round table debate on multitasking and me and you are making the argument that multitasking doesn't exist, we'll win that debate, right? Because the people on the other side will be like typing emails, trying to multitask during the argument. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So we automatically win that probably. Right. That's true. But multitasking doesn't exist. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not who knows? <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people would disagree with me on that. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm really glad to be on this show, you know, and uh, it's, uh, it's, um, I think uh, hopefully it's helpful for some people, you know, but uh, um, yeah. as a, you know, language, Absolutely, I mean, man. it's beautiful to be able to speak in different languages and meet people, different cultures, you know, different food, you learn a lot of things and, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's just that you know, I've been here for so long that I feel like even my country is becoming an interesting culture now <laughs> you know because i don't it's it's a know, reverse culture yeah, shock like or like yeah yeah. Say, yeah yep yep you're becoming um, an american idiot like the rest of us around right. here <laughs> uh, i was gonna make a joke about that but no nah, we'll save it for another day right.
Oh man. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I suppose I suppose we've been on here for quite a while, so we'll call it a day for this podcast. But yeah, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for doing this. And yeah, this was, thank you, Sean, for hosting me. And this was fun. And um everyone, yeah. yeah. I'm sure everyone will learn something. Um yeah, talkers, I hope that uh, Muhammad has been an inspiration for you. Um we'll be putting out a lot more content. Um yeah, Muhammad, is there anything else that you wanted to say to um, all the people who may end up listening to this? Um, I would say, um, I don't know, but I go by the motto, it's like, um, somebody asked me, he said, you know, I, I don't know, I mean, I mean, I think somebody said this before, but I don't remember who, uh, but it's like, my... I just, I always say, like, just try to do good in the world, you know? Doing good, mm-hmm. you know? Doing good to everyone, you know? Like, don't expect anything back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like, love that concept. You know, like, yeah. a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I like to do good because you get it. Yeah, don't expect that, you know? Right. Just do good for your own, for the sake of you being doing good, you know, for the sake of yes. you want to do good, you know? Yeah. Do good in this world, and I think life, you know, life would be good for you. Yeah. I mean, overall, I feel like uh, I don't want to be, like, I don't want to talk about my personal beliefs or whatever, but I, you know, somebody asked me and I said, oh yeah, my religion is, or my country is the world and my religion is to do good. I'm not sure who... I love that, man. You know, it's a good quote, you know. My country is the world and my religion is to do good. Yeah, I mean, we all live in this planet. Yeah. And then we have to, like, abide by all this nationalism and all that stuff. Yeah, that's a bunch of BS. Yeah. Honestly, like, you know, we are from the U.S., we are from Sudan, our country is the greatest. Yeah. It's not great. I mean, we're all civilization. We're all human beings. We came here. We're all here for... Yeah. 50 years, this stuff was all years, created, you know, by the yeah, British colonizers or whoever else. Yeah. The French, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, they all came up yeah. with these things. And I'll blame it on the French since they're kind of a-holes. Let's blame it all on the French. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean... Uh, we're going to blame now, it on the French. <laughs> now, now, now you're coming to our territory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, but, you know, I mean, no, all, the in general, I think everybody is uh, the colonizers in general, whether it's the French or the British or anybody else, yeah, you know, um, I feel like uh, they developed or they created all these borders and right. you know, and they made life difficult in a lot of countries. But also, a lot of these countries need to find a way to move on, and mm-hmm. a lot of their people need to find ways to help their own people. You know, mm-hmm. and since we live in this structural world, and sadly, right. that's. But I just feel like we're all humans. We need to be here. We're here together, and we're all. If something come to hit, like if something come to destroy our planet, I mean, we're all gonna go. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're American yeah, or you're true. like living go. in, you know, in like uh, yeah. Bermuda or whatever. Yeah. If an asteroid hits us, it's not gonna care who's from Sudan and who's from America right. or who's from France. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think it's always good, you know, just keep doing good, enjoy it, focus yeah. on the moment, I would say. And, um, and always think about everybody in this world is the same, whether they're blind, they're disabled, whatever. You have to keep in mind these people are actually people that you can talk to, you can have a conversation mm-hmm. with, you know, you can um, 
uh, get married to, you know, you can, mm -hmm. you know, they're just people, they just operate differently, they, they, they have a different level of, of doing things, they, you know, and, but that people. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. You should. You it reminded me some of the things you said of Sadguru. Are you familiar with Sadguru? He's an Indian Indeed. mystic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, should listen because he talked about some of the same stuff about how you know the national nationality stuff is all a bunch of BS and you know yeah right. the whole same concept. Yeah. Talkers, check out Sadguru too if you haven't yet. Just say, don't sleep with your head facing north. That's a whole other topic, but oh, yeah. uh, he has some interesting ideas. Have a map in our mm -hmm. apartment. We had it upside down. Really? Because yeah. North was always up and south and south. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like, why but, is this normal place always up? We're going to have North down. Yeah. <laughs> south oh, so you just did it as like a joke then? Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, yeah, man. I love it. Um, anything else? Or should we, should we hit the end button? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I'm happy. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Yeah. Thanks, Muhammad. Yeah. All right, talkers, we'll talk again soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening, talkers. Remember that Keep Talking is the best platform for you to reach an advanced level of English fluency 